0: A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned.
1: The hardest thing
0: in this world is to live in it.
1: That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be.
0: The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with...
1: This is David
0: and I'm Logan. And This week, oh, this is a fun week. I'm sure our listeners have been waiting for this episode, considering everything we have to say about Xander. We are reviewing The Zeppo, which is episode 13 of season three, and was written by Dan Weber, and directed by James Whitmore, Jr., and originally aired January 26, 1999.
2: <sighs>
1: And so. it shows. <laughs> so on the upside, this is our 50th episode.
0: This is our 50th episode. Yay! Yeah, we've gotten through 50 episodes of this sh- franchise. And I don't know what I think about this being the 50th <laughs> episode. <laughs> Other than the fact that I think people are very entertained to hear us talk about Xander. So <laughs> there's that. Mm-hmm. So. <sighs> yeah we start out this episode with a random fight against what we will find out is the sisterhood of jay and uh
1: we we will not care that it's the sisterhood of jay
0: no we will not (laughs) it's it's a very it's a good piece of trivia to have for like pub nights or if you're writing fanfic and you want to make a really deep cut i'm not saying i've done that before i've totally done that before (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm really glad you followed up so quickly. My face couldn't hold that incredulous look for too long.
0: <laughs> no, I actually literally did have to. The, the Sisterhood of Jay show up again when I created New Hellmouth. I had them show up along with the ones from Doomed because mm. it's like Hellmouth monsters. Yeah. and because yeah, I, I do love deep deep cuts. Uh, I'm. I mean, this fight it's it's fighty. It's you know
1: th- faith, faith is there.
0: Faith is there, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like, "Hey, where you been, Faith? What's what's up?"
0: <laughs> yeah, and she's she's there with no comment. That's what's really strange mm. about it. But, you know, it's just like, "Hey, Faith." You're here. And the only reason she is there is because of what will happen later.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hold,
1: hold 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 on to that pain. You'll need it later. <laughs> yeah, we will hold
0: on to that. I mean, there's not really much to say about this fight because it's so by the Everything that happens to anybody who's not Xander is so by the numbers, which I get is by design mm-hmm. because they were, the way they've described this episode is as a deconstruction of a Buffy episode. <sighs> and I can kind of get that.
1: I get that that's what they were trying to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the thing is with this episode, I'm usually a fan of, of these types of things, like mm-hmm. obviously, what this episode is trying to be is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. But Dan <sighs> oh, Weber, who, Dan Weber is an okay writer, but he's not Tom Stoppard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> A few uh, people. Are. No. <laughs> you know that hadn't even occurred to me, and now I'm even more depressed about this episode. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, I'd never even. Yeah, now it's pretty obvious. Now uh, it's there, it's stuck in your brain yeah, and it no. will never go away.
0: Yeah, because I mean, like, there is kind of like this whole subgenre of uh, television and movies where it's like, well, what's happening when, you know, the big stories are being told? These, also known as lower deck episodes mm-hmm. after a Next Generation episode. Though part of my problem with this acting as a lower deck episode is that Xander is not a lower deck character. He's Mm -hmm. not, they really shoehorn him into this whole Zeppo role. When we've never seen any version of this before, it would make Mm -hmm. so much... uh, Okay, I'm going to throw this out there because you know I always love to do my what if they did the episode like this. What if this
2: episode were all about Jonathan instead? I was just, get the fuck out of my head, MC. (laughs) Get the fuck (laughs) out of my head. Oh, because he plays such a, 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 an, mm-hmm. like, a, a central role in a later episode, sort of. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was sitting here thinking either Jonathan or Larry would be great, especially after seeing badass Larry in The mm-hmm. Whispers. I would have...
1: Yeah using, yeah, using an actual minor character would have worked so much better.
0: Larry, I think, would have made sense with Jack and his friends. Yeah, mm. a little bit more. Because
2: Larry's on the football team, and the absurdly uh, monikered Bob the teenager never happens. <laughs> um is clearly <laughs> clearly in in some sort of sports team because he's wearing a Letterman jacket. So, uh, just
1: yeah, which yeah. apparently he was buried in.
2: Yeah, yeah. But, um,
0: I, I think they do that to. I guess sometimes, but, yeah. Also like in Sunnydale, phrase. I wonder, you know, if there's like a, a callousness almost
1: <laughs> with it's people. Like, oh, this is what you died in. This is what we're going to bury you in. <laughs> we we got too many people to bury. We we can't worry about clothing.
0: People do seem to get buried really fast in Sunnydale because it's like the day after they're dead, suddenly they're in the ground, and mm. that does not happen.
1: No. uh well if they're jewish well, it jewish. should happen
2: yeah <laughs> as well i mean i was literally uh about to say well maybe there's a very large jewish population in sunnydale but it doesn't seem like literally willow <laughs> no. might be <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's
1: like person. willow's family seems to be it and
2: isn't sarah michelle i mean maybe not like religiously but isn't she jewish it's, she might be partially i'm not sure i've never looked into the
1: don't know but i mean buffy certainly
0: so, one of the only things that I have from this opening scene is Willow's joke about I brought marshmallows, about the burning of the bodies, <laughs> reminded me so hard of Molly Hooper from Sherlock.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> which, we, well, we do
1: have Willow's I'm, I'm occasionally callous and strange line, which has been in my email sig file pretty much since this episode aired. <laughs>
0: nice. <No, you're laughs> But yeah, no, I mean that reminded me hardcore of Molly and reminded me of why I like Willow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seems like Superman was really on the brains of the writers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is and, and Jimmy Olsen, yet another one, another thing that actually originated in the well, the arguably show? originated in the radio show.
0: Oh, okay. I, I don't believe
1: that. Jimmy was ever there's a character who's appeared in the comics before the radio show who people have retroactively assumed as jimmy olsen but okay. i don't believe he was ever named until the radio show
0: okay uh I've, i have never actually heard any of the superman radio show i just know various mm-hmm. bits of trivia from it. right but yeah no i mean somebody had superman on the brain because they had that big long kryptonite conversation in the last episode and all of a sudden yep. now we're getting jimmy olsen so it's like i don't know somebody was maybe reading it's just, I'm trying to think of what was out in Superman comics in 1999.
1: But was that when Superman blue was going on? Was this like just, just post death of Superman?
0: It might've been post death of Superman.
1: Yes. That would, that could do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When suddenly Superman was, you know, everywhere mm. again. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I mean like the scene is so nothing. Cause it's just there to be like, you know, there's an evil going on and Xander's useless. It's so a fighty we, fight. It's a
2: fighty fight, yeah. We yeah. Get some, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we rarely get definitively gendered demons. I thought it was interesting that Faith immediately commented on the idea that they were women, or at least female. I'm mm. heavy air quotes here. Listeners, female demons.
0: Well, I mean, we often get gendered demons, but it's very rarely that we get female demons. Female demons, yeah.
1: Yes. yeah. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I yeah I I, I mean I, you're you're right that that is unusual. I, I I I have no idea what the significance of that might be.
0: Somebody came up with the name, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, I I mean we do get female demons, but uh, they turn up a lot more on Angel. But they're a lot more sexualized. They're kind yeah. of more your yeah. Orion slave girl Twilight type thing, where it's like yeah. you're really sexy with you know like colored skin and stuff like that.
2: I mean, literally, my only note is the word "fight" for this opening scene. And that's because that's nothing. all there
0: really is.
1: It is a fighty fight. I, my other note, actually, I do have one other note, and this will be the beginning of a theme for this episode for me. Ooh. Is let's start with things being totally out of character for. Everybody. What, when, can you name a single time previously where people gave a shit about Xander's safety to the point where they're like, you just shouldn't be in this fight?
0: Never. Nope, did not <laughs> happen.
1: Doesn't happen. They. No one gives a shit if Xander gets killed. And now they're all like, well, it's good that you just dropped into a corner at the beginning of the fight. Because... You shouldn't be in this fight. And then they continue this for the entire rest of the episode. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. Like, this is why I have a. They are trying so hard to put Xander into the Zeppo role to make it a lower mm-hmm. deck episode. And the thing yeah. is, Xander is not a lower deck character. He has always been in the middle of the fray, and he doesn't Indeed. care about his safety, and nobody else cares about his safety because he's part of the unit. Buffy will say that later on. He's part of the unit.
1: Now, and this is my complaint with a lot of these special stories, like in any franchise, is that to do them, they proceed to take everyone and put them totally out of character. Just for, so they can do this story. And it really drives me nuts. I will, I will have comments about the apocalypse uh, in this episode later, but... uh.
0: It is probably not surprising, but this episode is what inspired Russell T.
2: Davis to do Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters,
1: yep. But Love and Monsters is actually better. I know a lot of people hate it, but...
2: I like it. I mean, I could do it that, that oh, I like that. I like that Love that and last...
1: Monsters. And the great thing about Love and Monsters is it doesn't take the existing characters and give them totally new characters. It, it's <laughs> no.
0: it's not like it's an episode about Rose Tyler that's suddenly turning her right. into like this weird thing that she is not.
1: Right. right. In fact, it does it in a great way because it doesn't even use second-tier characters. It uses characters we've never seen before.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's It's ostensibly about... Oh, fuck me. Why can't I remember Rose's mom's name? Jackie. Oh, Jackie.
1: Jackie it's Jackie, it's Jackie does appear in it, yes. Yeah, it's
2: ostensibly about Jackie, sort of. But it is more about the people who experience the fallout mm-hmm. from the Doctor's existence on our planet. Exactly. Um, and I could personally do without the, and I'm punning entirely here, that last gag in, in Love and Monsters. <laughs> but,
1: a, lot uh, t- a lot of people would yeah, d- but do without overall, that.
2: Overall, yeah. I really enjoy that episode. Mm-hmm. I like what they tried to do. They did it effectively. And I think that's pretty common with Russell T. Davies. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> it's in my notes as well.
0: I really think this episode, if you think about it as part, <clears throat> as, you know, like taking off of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and are dead. It would be like trying to write Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and are dead, but using Horatio or Laertes <laughs> right. instead. Right. Like mm. somebody who is like right in the middle of everything. And it's like, let's see what they were doing during the time. Yes. It's like, yes. you don't need to know. Because oh, Rosencrantz right. and, and Guildenstern are the reason Rosencrantz and Guildenstern works is because in a lot of productions, well, not anymore, because they're so famous now, but in older productions, they were often just cut out entirely mm-hmm. because they were so, they e- didn't matter. Even
1: in modern productions, it's not like they have a lot to do. I mean, no. It's just not there in the script. This is this is more like taking, like, Claudius or Gertrude and telling it from their perspective, and doing it badly.
0: But we get past the opening credits, and we get to Xander being an ass trying to be cool.
1: Yeah, and and again, when does he do this? He hasn't done this since, like, episode one. Uh,
2: I, maybe what they were trying to talk about is, is how he's faring after everything happened with Willow and Cordelia.
0: I could see that if they addressed it at all, because basically the only time that's addressed is i mean it's not even cordelia's mean to him but that's kind of it this episode feels like a regression for a lot of the characters they feel mm-hmm. more season oney in their trails
2: mm. yeah and they open pretty quickly with a super fun slur thanks guys yeah All
0: right, I, I i did not remember that and, until
2: yeah
0: yeah Mm. And and it's and it's not even like it's just the slur that's there, but then they double down on it by having they Xander make a really joke about it. Do like come on.
2: <laughs> and if if it were them, like actually, if if that was the reality, and they showed that as being part of Xander's life and him actually dealing with that, fine. No. Mm. Nope, nope. He just doesn't like school. <laughs> like I I would probably have been
0: okay with the slur. Because Jack is obviously, like, a horrific, evil Shithead. person. Yeah. But the fact that then they had Xander double down on it. Yeah. Where it's like, this is literally supposed to be a joke. Yep. Yeah. So it's, like, not cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, let's get to the most important part of this scene. And that's Cordelia coming in and being just wonderfully
2: Cordelia. A few things. Do you think... She just picked up on things about Superman from Xander. Um, and who the, what the fuck does she know who Zeppo Marx is?
1: I Well, I was wondering how any of these people know who Zeppo <laughs> Marx is.
0: <laughs> I have a big thing to talk about with this, because I am a huge Marx Brothers fan. To the mm-hmm. point of, I am dressed as Harpo Marx for Halloween. And I actually think I am going to be doing another Marx Brothers-based cosplay. So I, I know my shit on the Marx Brothers. And I just don't understand how Cordelia knows. I think the, I can see the Superman stuff be from Xander, but I mean, sometimes we do get these references where it's like these super smart references. Like, late, in a later episode, I think Buffy says that she makes Godot look punctual, and it's yeah. like, like, where does this come from? And it's the writers mm-hmm. obviously wanting to make the reference, and putting mm-hmm. them in the mouths of people that it doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. from. But, I don't know, I'm willing to give Cordelia the benefit of the doubt, because one, I love me and Marx Brothers reference, and Cordelia, really? we know, does have hidden depths. Now, the yep. one thing that I have a problem with is that, you know, they, the writers obviously know enough to make a Zeppo reference, but they don't know enough to understand actually who Zeppo Marx is. Yes. because he a straight man? Well, here's the thing about Zeppo. Zeppo was actually considered the funniest of his brothers. Okay. He just he just had no interest in being an actor.
1: Right. So
0: he did a he did he worked with them in vaudeville and then up until they went on to Broadway. And then they he did a couple of movies and he's like, This isn't for me. And then he went mm-hmm. and he started a talent agency with Gummo. But he was considered the funniest of his brothers. He could fill in any like he was actually like an understudy for most of them because they all had their very specific niches. But Zeppo could be kind of funny in place of all of them. So if one of them got sick, he was able to fill in for them right away. He could work on a dime. He had a great singing singing voice. So I am like a huge supporter of zeppo so i don't like him being
2: used as an insult
1: no i i get that
2: is it too much to assume that that's what they were it was like a a many layered joke
0: no no that's not what they were going (laughs) for
1: (laughs) and also i i mean i will i will i will actually i will i will stipulate that it's quite possible that people would know who jimmy olsen is i can i can buy that Uh, but again jimmy olsen's a lot more significant a character than they're giving him any credit for here
0: oh yeah definitely
1: i mean he had his own he, he had his own book that ran for i think 163 issues
0: yeah <laughs> and, and you've also got to think about the time that this came out this came out during the era of lois clark when mm. that i believe that was actually it had maybe just stopped airing when they actually portrayed Jimmy as, like, a pretty, you know, like, he wasn't, like, the bow tie wearing, you know, little wimp. Like, he was actually, like, a very competent mm-hmm. character. They actually had to recast him because the guy that they originally had looked too much like the guy playing Superman. <laughs> So yeah, Cordelia basically only exists in the scene to tear Xander down, which is granted a role that she's really good at. Yeah. But again, it is more, let's tear Xander down so that we can give him an ego boost that I don't really think, I, I don't think it works. Honestly, like with this, as I was watching this entire episode and kind of when we got to the scene with Faith, I just kept on thinking, I don't know if this episode really happened. I think it's just a dream Xander is having
1: i would totally i would totally buy that quite quite frankly
0: it ends up explaining so much about this episode how everybody kind of acts they are themselves but they're just a little bit off and you know you have Mm. dreams where it's like i know you are who you are but you're not quite right and then all Mm. of this fucking wish fulfillment that comes in with xander it's like i think he's trying to work out some like deep-seated you know issues about himself through his dreams (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: No, I, I, if 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 it were to turn out that like at some point, like the 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 production staff would come out and go, oh yeah, we actually meant that all to be a dream. I would be, I buy that completely. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, th- and I mean this episode doesn't play into anything else later on except for no. Faith sleeping with Xander. That is the only mm-hmm. plot point yep. in this that has any impact yep. on the actual story.
2: So I think, as far as the end is concerned, we see xander being the best of xander and we see mm-hmm. it when push comes to shove throughout the series you know but yeah i am I'm, I'm on board with that <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: i mean there is some stuff that i
0: like i do think that they made an attempt in this episode
1: there are some things
0: yeah nicky does a really good job with his acting mm. especially like in his last scene but but yeah this episode's really weird <laughs> uh, so i guess the next scene is Xander with Oz, which is actually a scene I like, because I think Oz is really in character. Mm-hmm.
2: Oz is good, he's written well. I am so disgusted by the use of the word trim in this scene.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hated that. But Oz, it's... This is actually a quintessential Oz scene. And one thing I really like about this, this is an Oz scene where he is interacting with Xander, and and neither of them mention Willow.
2: Right, it's a reverse Bechdel-Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I was just yeah! thinking that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and what I especially like about it is it's not too terribly long after all that drama. Yeah. between Which mm-hmm. is interesting, because mm-hmm. I would not be as sanguine as Oz, but, you know, that's Oz. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this episode where it's like, oh, huh, don't you guys remember that... I, are you guys trying to forget that plotline as quickly as we are? Because you have like Willow very, you know, easily saying "I love you, Xander," and yes. Oz and Xander being totally cool with each other, and it's like, okay, so you guys are just gonna forget this. We're pretty happy with that too. Fine.
1: Yeah, it's yeah.
2: Forgotten,
1: except for Xander. Pretty much every character in this episode is written about one point five dimensional. Yeah, <laughs> I mean seriously. I mean, like n- these characters are all; everyone is a plot device.
2: Oh yeah, in this story.
1: It yeah, is. Right. I mean, oh,
2: that's really, really spot on. You get Oz being a werewolf, Willow casting spells, and yeah. uh, Buffy and Angel having drama.
0: Here is my big problem with it, and it, this is—I, I know I bring up the Watsonian versus the Doyleist a lot, but I think that it's. Uh, And from a Doyleist perspective, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to do a deconstruction to the point of parody, which is kind of a neat idea. But then if you actually look at it from the Watsonian perspective, it's like, this is what Xander thinks of his friends. Because Mm -hmm. it's all from his point of view. So he does not have any connection with any of these people. He's just seeing all this surface stuff from them and nothing... Is there? There's just absolutely no connection.
1: Yeah, I I, I think I don't even get to the, the the Watsonian perspective because I I basically hit a roadblock when I realized like that you're you're spot on about your your uh, Doylean uh, analysis. But my thing is, yes, that's what they were trying to do, and they did a really shitty job. <laughs> they just did a bad. They it, it's badly written. I mean, the story structure of this this the whole story structure is terrible the the characters are written completely threadbare and oh, just everything about this episode almost almost everything mm-hmm. just makes me made me crazy i was i was really i was really i was really disappointed watching this again
0: but we get to giles telling buffy that the end is coming and Yawn. That happens. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with every scene that it does not have Xander in it. It's There is absolutely nothing to examine mm-hmm. in them because yeah. they don't matter. Though, in the next scene with Willow and Buffy, I do like Buffy's line of, I need my Willow. I thought that was a very mm-hmm. nice moment yes. between them. And when Xander comes up in that big car and Buffy's line of, is the subpoenas metaphor? <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. used that many, many times.
1: Yeah. Uh, and thank God that car is an automatic because I, Sandra doesn't have a to drive shift. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I will say that. But about now that we've hit the whole apocalypse thing, I will I will go into my annoyance at it. As anyone who knows much about Hitchcock knows, there is this thing called the MacGuffin. Yes, and people talking about the MacGuffin, I think I think people often actually get it wrong, at least from Hitchcock's perspective. Uh, I went and actually looked up. Hitchcock's actual comments on it, and the MacGuffin is for Hitchcock something that the characters are tremendously invested in, but but to the storyteller does not matter at all. And this apocalypse is an ex- is a perfect example of a Hitchcockian MacGuffin. There is this this apocalypse doesn't matter. <laughs> we are never made to care about it. Even mm-hmm. it, 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 it's it's like in. um Clara's last season on Doctor Who, where Clara and Danny are supposedly... They keep saying, they're so in love. They're so in love to set up the final episode. But we never see them doing anything that indicates that they're actually in love. And here it's like, it's an apocalypse. It's the worst ever. This is worse than anything we've ever faced. Bullshit. (laughs) I will...
0: I will give them a bit of leeway on the apocalypse because they face 13 apocalypses.
2: Apocalypse. <laughs> What's the plural of apocalypse? <laughs> apocalypses. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, they face 13 of them over the course of, I believe that's over both Buffy and Angel, but they don't have really? as many on Angel. And that's an awful lot. So mm-hmm. I think, and we do see it in Doomed that they end up getting rather jaded when it comes to the apocalypses. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think that this was kind of them realizing that you can't really make much of a story about an apocalypse because they overuse it on Buffy.
1: I think they could have done more here if they were willing to spend more time with the other characters.
0: But that is obviously not what they were trying to do. They wanted to do a Xander episode, and it's like, let's have like the most exciting thing in the world happening in the background without Xander interacting with it at all.
1: And without making it actually exciting. That's that's my biggest problem with it is they, keep, they talk about how huge a thing it is. We never see anything to indicate that it's anywhere near as huge as they're saying it.
2: And even if it is, what point are they trying to make ultimately? That the Scooby gang can survive and function and be successful without Xander because if that's the point they're trying to make, yeah, they did.
0: I believe mm. the point that they are trying to make is that Xander is strong on his own and that he mm. can function without the Scoobies. But I don't think that it really comes off very well, especially because everybody in Xander's plot like not only are like our main characters really one dimensional, but everybody in Xander's plot line is one dimensional. Mm. I have Pop Quiz. What is the name of the girl that Xander is hanging out with? Does Does she she have have a nanny? She does. It is actually Lisette, but it's never fucking mentioned.
1: Oh, okay. But
0: they actually named her? They actually named her in the credits.
2: Well, it's doing better than a lot of Quentin Tarantino
1: films, so... Also, she's really annoying.
2: She is really (laughs) annoying. The only reason Xander's
0: hanging out with her is because her little sweater is unbuttoned.
1: Yeah. No, I, I mean, talk about one-dimensional characters.
0: And Jack is an oh. incredibly uninteresting bad guy. Yep. Uh, and I mean, like, Zan- Xander was being nice to Angel so that he could get away from right. that girl. Right. Like, that's right. how annoying Xander finds this girl. That Though he still hangs out with her. Which says a and,
1: lot about Xander. Yeah. Yes. And Cordy refers to Angel as Xander's friend. When she runs through, all your friends are... This or that oh, or the yeah. other, and, or, or a vampire, and it's like, uh, you think Angel and Xander are friends? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no. It's, I, I like, it's, it's like, oh, God, this is like, it's like Buffy Bizarro world. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and well, yes, yeah, we're moving forward in the scenes really quickly okay. just because yep. there's not a lot to say about yep. a lot of these scenes because, you know, we have Xander at the bronze with Angel and the gang researching and giles and his jelly
2: donuts can
0: anybody believe that buffy actually ate three jelly donuts
2: yes it's it's i mean (laughs) is it slayer metabolism uh uh, maybe but it's mentioned a couple of times of how much of a i mean specifically after slaying but how much of a pig is. i think one of the quotes um yeah but yeah i i I can i can see i'm kind
1: of i'm kind of surprised she's never noticed that Giles likes the jelly donuts and left one for him.
2: I I, I, I took it as a oh shit we ate the jelly donuts without thinking. We know Giles likes them, so let's pretend like we don't know.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you, oh, do <laughs> maybe you like maybe jelly
2: donuts. Fuck, are oh, bad.
1: I, I I'm the one who always asks if, if we can get jelly donuts.
2: <laughs> Buffy ate three. Great. I I that that was a good bit of comedy now, and unlike and
1: seriously week, way to throw way to throw Buffy under the donut bus. Will this <laughs> is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, when when Xander is actually ordering the donuts, I did find his order funny because so he's like, "And the jelly donut? No, let's round that up to four. <laughs> Who rounds up to four? I mean, <laughs> from one to four. I mean, granted, you need, you needed more than that. You probably needed to do six of that yeah. uh, of that dozen donuts being jelly, but right.
2: Um, is and I, I, I don't know if anybody will remember, like remember this. Is the box they use for the jelly do- for the donuts pink? Yes. I believe so, yes. Okay. I, I wish I could actually remember the reason why that became a thing enough to articulate it, but I don't. But it's if an I... interesting thing to do with, like, Armenian families in Southern California. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah
0: there, it was, I believe, cheap, a cheap very thing. common at, at donut places. They they had, like, these grosses of pink boxes and it just kind of became a tradition it's kind of like how on all tv shows people will ask for pizzas with the works and then say no anchovies and it's like well you know at most normal places you know you have to ask for specific ingredients it's because of a store in southern california that like most writers get
2: pizza from so Mm. yeah it was it's coming back to me now i think it has to do with um specifically these families yeah like um the, they were cheaper because nobody was buying them, like by default. Mm-hmm. So they would just buy them more cheaply. Yeah, yeah. pointless, but yes. more interesting than a lot of this episode. Oh, yeah. yes. And
1: well, pizza—more proof that California doesn't know how to do pizza. Yeah. But, go on. Uh,
2: yeah, because
0: anchovies are delicious. Uh, okay, so beneficial. we get Xander. He as a bad driver and <laughs> hits hits Jack's not car. Yeah. <laughs> And Jack is threatening him with that crocodile Dundee looking Katie. knife. His compensation knife? Yes. His compensation knife, yes.
1: They don't name Lizette, but they do name the knife.
0: Yes, I actually have that note. <laughs> <laughs> that they don't name the girl that Xander hangs out with, but they name the knife multiple times. She's yes. like in five scenes of this fucking episode. What the hell? But, okay, so the pol- the police officer comes over and wants to know what the hell is going on. And Jack is straight up trying to murder Xander. And he doesn't say shit. Like, the, the cop knew who Jack was. Mm-hmm. And was obviously looking for a reason to arrest him. And Xander's just like... Instead, Xander throws in some homophobia. Inst- yeah. In- instead of being like, arrest this guy who was just trying to murder me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's much more important to, you know, say that he's not gay than to say that this guy was going to murder you. It,
0: it just yeah. it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. And it's just kind of all of the problems that J- Xander gets into in this episode are all by oh. his own fucking doing.
1: Oh, it's all down to Xander won't say anything to anyone. I mean, every time he encounters one of the Scooby gang, he's like, uh, can I help? But I'm not going to mention that there are fucking zombies running around trying to kill me. Yeah. It's like he, he, he never tells anyone, like, while it's happening. Yeah. Like, when he encounters Giles, it's like he's away from them. He could easily tell Giles without them hearing him.
2: By the way, there's this guy who's raising zombies.
1: Yeah.
2: It might have something to do with your apocalypse, but I don't know because I'm not communicating with you. Actually, think about that. It might well have something
0: to do with the apocalypse because Jack talks about the stars aligning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So doesn't it make sense that the stars would align and that's why they're able to open up the Hellmouth?
2: Mm-hmm. i have a comment yeah. about that once we get to that scene
0: and also like we already had the last time the Hellmouth was opened, we had all of these signs that were happening it was you know all dogs and cats living together mass hysteria
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> i will never give up a chance to quote those <laughs> uh, but we do get to jack raising the boys and basically the only thing i have to say is hey it's baby michael cutlass <laughs> who will later become famous for
2: being on The Walking Dead?
1: Ah, <laughs> well,
2: at least he's 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 keeping up with the theme. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Grandpappy, So, so the stars had to be aligned for Jack to raise his friends from the dead. How come Grandpappy didn't have to wait for the stars to be aligned to raise Jack from the dead? I know, right?
1: That's- Maybe if you do it within ten minutes, it's okay. But if it's longer, you need to wait for the stars.
2: Okay, so I why was don't... grandpappy with Jack during that drive-by. <laughs>
1: well, maybe they were just in the car together, and Jack got shot, and Grandpa was Grandpa was there and said, "Well, I can't, I can't have my my grandson mm. be all dead and shit.
2: <laughs> all dead and shit." But
1: here's
0: the real question. Okay, so Jack has been left back several times in mm. high school. And yeah because
1: he's clearly like 25. yeah yeah <laughs>
0: but he definitely seems like somebody who doesn't care about his education but Mm-mm. he still continues to go <laughs> right. even after he has become a zombie he just wants to hang out with people. All of his yeah. friends are dead
1: Well I think he I think he wants to <laughs> hang out and, and and just be menacing
2: <laughs> yeah that's what he does
1: in his spare time it's like I'm gonna menace people. but poorly yeah Yeah.
0: and we have giles consult the spirit guides and this is i think one of the first times we've actually seen giles use spiritual sources it's something that will come Mm. up a lot more over the Mm -hmm. both this and angel both giles and wesley once they get out of the watchers council do kind of go to more direct sources yeah. Which I actually think it makes a lot more sense than trying to read all of these portenses that have been, like, written in, like, the 50th century by some crazy monk. And it needs to be translated <laughs> from, like, three different languages.
1: Right. I, I, I have to question, though, it's like, does Giles really not have any other mystical knowledge contacts
0: I was wondering outside that the council?
1: I mean, it's like... Like all those, like like the monks, they're not all members of the council. <laughs> the monks who are writing crazy shit—it's—it's right. like, I mean, I don't get it. Oh wait, I do get it. He, it's a plot device because this this thing is put made entirely of duct tape and plot device.
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of it is plot device, and if I'm going to fanwank it, it'll be that Giles was such a company man up until like he took himself mm. out of it because of his affection for Buffy, that mm-hmm. maybe the council has rules against going to these
2: kinds of sources.
1: That And he's still observing those rules? I really? mean, Ooh. up
2: until that point. And especially since you could imagine that he did such a hard 180 after his Ripper days, um, that he would adhere as strictly as possible. Like, I imagine, I, I, I sort of imagine Giles before Buffy as, like proto Wesley oh yeah definitely <laughs> that that is mm-hmm. so it's scan it's it scans like anything he would have uh, like any sort of contacts he would have made during his Ripper days don't have anything to do with him because he's working with the council and um I think the only time we ever see anything like that is is what's his face who was going to curse angel but didn't because Giles introduced him to his wife I, I you know but I yeah I'm, I'm, I'm bored with MC I think I-
1: I don't know. I mean, it just seems that even when he was still part of the council, Giles was the kind of person who, in in an apocalypse situation, would do what needed to be done, even if it was outside council rules.
2: How many apocalypses do you think he encountered while, you know... Okay, there well, how many have we Pro- had so far? There was the one in Prophecy
0: Girl. There was the one that Angel started in Becoming Part 2. There was the Judge, which was... I wouldn't call that an apocalypse. I would call that a decimation. Well,
1: you no, know, yeah. when I say apocalypse, it's, it's sort of apocalypse level. Specifically you know, before, not- Buffy. Before,
2: before Buffy. Before Buffy. Before Buffy, I don't think there were any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I... Who the fuck knows? Man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's bad writing. Hey, we have an answer. <laughs>
0: Uh, we get the scene of Buffy and Willie together, and this is our, a scene of Willie, and he's basically Whoa, saying, wait, like, uh, yeah, Willie's always nice to see, but it's such a useless scene, because it's basically, like, hole up with Angel. And we don't know what's going on, like, why the Sisterhood of Jay is specifically looking no. after Buffy and Angel.
1: I, I don't oh. think it's Willie. I think I think it's a simulacrum of Willie made up entirely of exposition. <laughs>
2: Or why Angel has to die to stop it. Yeah. Or why whatever Giles is doing is so dangerous. Because
0: basically what the writers did when they were writing this episode, it's they wrote the Xander plot and then they had all of these holes for scenes with everybody else. And it's like, let's write the most stereotypical episode of Buffy we can. And, And not even like the most stereotypical episode of Buffy. Let's write the most stereotypical season finale of Buffy and then not include anything about it in it.
1: I'd take it one step further and say, let's write a parody of the most of a season finale of Buffy. It 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 almost reaches the level of parody. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely, and I and that's why I'm I I think MC's suggestion or was it David who did the dream suggestion, MC? It was me. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 stands even further because mm-hmm. I mean this is just Xander's perspective on his weird, bizarro world friends. mm mm-hmm. uh, Man, this episode. I usually skip this one. <laughs> yep. I'm going to go ahead and let y'all know straight off. It's rare that I watch this episode in my watch-throughs. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't and worry and about I it. have to say, it's like, although Xander does do some terrible things in this, for once, he, he's not the reason I don't like this episode.
0: <laughs> Xander's not terrible in this episode i mean there's Mm-mm. some you know he's been worse there's low level xander annoyance like i roll my eyes at him a little bit mm-hmm. but he's he's not bad by the way since river is not here this episode skywalker is filling in as our pod kitty hello skywalker, Hi
2: skywalker. look at that handsome baby
0: he is so, i found him so in my rarely. backyard
2: <laughs> so rarely <laughs> on 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 camera for us so we at the at this scene with Xander and Faith at this point? We are, well, we, about to, we have Xander, about uh,
0: Willie says, do what you would want to do on your last day, and so then we see Bob saying,
2: let's drink some beers! And I I really <sighs> hang out at Taco Bell? What a fucking gift. <laughs> that line is incredible, and it's barely understandable. I had to turn the, <laughs> the subtitles on to make sure I heard it correctly <laughs> for the first time. I've never noticed that line, and it's I was laughing very hard, which is impressive for this episode.
0: Uh, I do want to know how we can in- explain away Xander participating in multiple felonies and just nothing happens with it. Because, I mean, like, the thing is, even though he's in the car just waiting, he's still an accessory to, like, all of the mm-hmm. stuff that they do.
1: I can only assume that nothing really happens with that because Sunnydale. Yeah, I guess so.
2: Yeah, that cop somehow missed that giant... Penis metaphor that O'Toole calls <laughs> a knife. Even though, like, you see the flashlight on it. So, something cops Sunnydale are so fucking incompetent.
0: Xander, then, you know, they're, they're doing crime, so Xander, you know, <laughs> runs away. And mm-hmm. then he ends up... I, I mean, I guess, like, this is a sign that Sunnydale is so fucking small that he just keeps on running into members of the Scooby gang. Or, you know, Scooby members adjacent. Because he ran into Giles just randomly, and now he's going to randomly run into Faith. So I guess Sunnydale is, like, my town is actually smaller than Sunnydale is supposed to be. Do you know how hard it is for me to run into somebody that I actually know?
1: hmm Same. And conversely, I live in New York City, and I run into people I know all the time. So <laughs> it's, I, I, Sunnydale basically, Sunnydale expands and contracts to fit the plot. hmm Let's David, face. do you think that's because you know everybody? That's probably part of it. It also seems to be, like, just a New York thing. You, it just happens.
2: It's the magic of the city. Like,
1: I am not the only one. I mean, like, this happens to everybody. It's like, oh, hey, how are you? It's but bananas.
0: Faith is fighting one of the, the plot contrivances,
2: and Xander hits <laughs> 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 it with the car. Can we talk about the car for a second? I meant to earlier. Fine. Bel Air. Nice. You know what's better? Fifty nine Ford Fairlane. Just saying.
1: Yeah, but he got it from Uncle Rory, so he's, oh, not, gonna, Rory. he's not getting the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, <Rory>. Still, <laughs> I have to say that it's a fairly nice car considering what we know about mm-hmm. Xander's family background. They, I mean, let's. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm. They sound pretty white, white trash
2: from everything we know of mm-hmm. them. Oh, they're definitely white trash. As someone who grew up white trash, I'm surprised they don't have cars on blocks in their yard, but. Uh, maybe my... maybe
1: this was on blocks and Xander just put tires on it. <laughs>
2: yeah. My head canon is that uh Uncle Rory won it in a game of poker. Mm-hmm. I could see that, yeah. We a will... drunken
1: game of poker.
0: We will only Real see Uncle Rory once in Hell's Bells mm-hmm. when Bells. he's talking about stuffing things. <laughs> it's the eyes. <laughs>
2: Ugh. Uh, but I yeah, I don't want to think about Roy stuffing anything. Let's but see. yeah, so
0: Xander rescues Faith by hitting the plot contrivance with the car, and mm-hmm. then they go back. To-
1: it's the plot contrivance with the penis metaphor. It's yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm going to make that into a T-shirt. Do it.
1: I'm down with that. Incredible.
0: We have way too many t-shirts that relate to Xander. I need to come up with some other (laughs) ones. But they go back to Faith's apartment. And, okay, the apocalypse is coming. So they actually, like, at this point, they know that it's going to happen that night. And this is, like, kind of the moment where I'm just like, yeah, I think this is Xander's dream. Because all of a sudden we get into this overwrought, like...
1: Actually, you know, we haven't seen Faith since the first scene.
0: Fair enough, yeah.
1: And the Scoobies have a ham- habit of not including Faith in shit. Maybe she doesn't know the apocalypse is tonight.
0: That is actually a good point. So maybe they just have Faith, like, out there patrolling for these sisterhood people while they do, like, the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah. That could honestly happen. Let's just
1: let Faith do that. We won't bother her with the details. Yeah. <laughs> still, like, I, could, I mean, I, I could totally see them doing that.
0: Still, this love scene is so oh,
1: awkward
2: well. and over the top and. Confirmed, absolutely zero Cordelia and Xander sex.
1: Absolutely confirmed, mm-hmm. yes.
2: Yep. Because he's never been naked with. Other Or up with other people? Is that what he said? Yeah, no, with I, I, I,
1: I will give... There are two lines in here that I think are actually really good lines. The the, the I've never really been up with people before. And, and of course, she says, calm down. Just calm down and take off your pants. And he goes, those two concepts are antithetical. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been up with people before.
2: What is going on with them making out in the car? Does Xander just not... Papa boner <laughs> sexually to Cordelia just <laughs> nonsense have y'all seen I, Charisma Carpenter oh yeah I I, I think he means well there's definitely going to be people. sex yeah for sure yeah
1: <laughs> like like exposedly up with people <laughs> right
2: yeah this is this is a fun talking dance we're having y'all. yes <laughs>
0: I I still have trouble believing that, considering they were together for almost two years, and they were, like, within a week of each other being together, they were, like, making out in broom closets and stuff like that.
2: (laughs) Maybe they weren't ready. And
0: it was, yeah. Maybe Cordelia just couldn't stand the idea of fucking Xander, which I can't blame her.
2: (laughs) Nor me. Bless.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, there's really... (laughs) The music and everything is just so just oh I just I'll Faith
1: yeah although I but it does it does call back to the early time when we first met Faith and she talks about being really horny after slaying hungry <laughs> and
0: horny yeah and you know I will get I I, 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 I do enjoy
1: to, to anything that is consistent with actual Buffy at yeah, this point
0: though I do enjoy <laughs> her like kicking him out right away and it's like that was playing yes. out of shower. <laughs>
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, she does give him like a minute Um, of lying in bed, and then it's like, okay,
0: bye. And we get to Giles and Willow shooting Oz, and in a scene that does not make any sense because why don't they just shoot Oz through the grate? Yes, they were large enough to get a the gun through.
1: So, question: Is this the first time anyone's tranked Oz on the first try? Yes. I find that hilarious and she does it twice. Willow's become a good shot, y'all.
0: Yeah, but mm-hmm. I mean if I were Willow I seriously would have put like cuz it was Oh yeah. You could put fit it right through the grating in that and yeah. then and then move him after he's been put out instead of like knocking Giles over yeah. again.
1: No, that was absolutely my thought. Is why are you o- opening the cage? Yeah. What 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 is wrong with you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Xander figures out that they're making a bomb. And I want to know what Xander thought they were doing robbing a hardware store. Making cake.
2: Baking
1: cake? <laughs> yeah, a hardware cake.
2: Don't you buy your? They <laughs> wanted
1: to make a pie out of a make a pie out of steel, which would be bad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Or funny, depending on what kind of sight gag you are doing.
1: Yeah, well, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... What a part of me wants to be like, wait, why did Xander think they were going to make a bomb? It was just like kerosene and shit.
1: Who who are you there it? Was there fertilizer in there? No. I don't remember anymore. No.
2: Xander, Xander's got a copy of the Inner Kiss* cookbook. I guess. There you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and well, for all of the slack, uh, flack we give this episode... Uh, this Buffy and Angel scene is actually one of my favorite Buffy and Angel <laughs> scenes. <laughs> because it's, I, this is actually a pretty good parody scene of them. Yes. It, it reminds me of, um, the anime Fushigi Yugi, where they had two this couple that were always shouting each other's names at each other, to the point of, like, they actually made it a drinking game, and there was a disclaimer on it that said, please don't actually play this, because you will die from alcohol poisoning. But then when they did one of their original video animations, for the entire OVA, they did nothing but say each other's names. And that's kind of what this scene reminds me of because mm-hmm. they do. This scene actually does kind of go over the top in the way where it's like this is an actual parody of a Buffy and Angel scene, and this mm-hmm. is, this is like you know this is like the broken clock is right twice a day where it's like this scene actually does work for me. Mm-hmm. And as far as
2: Xander's perspective is concerned, pretty accurate as far exactly, as exactly yeah <laughs> when this, it comes
1: to- yeah. And, but of course, this is also, this is the scene where they go, this is worse than anything we've ever faced, right? Yeah. So again, that just pisses me off repeatedly in this episode, because, like, <laughs> you're, you're telling me that, but I don't believe you for one second.
2: I, I'm, oh, like, I this is worse than anything we've ever faced. Hey, Angel, do you remember that time um, you tortured Giles and murdered his girlfriend? That
1: and tried fine. to suck the world into a vortex <laughs> of hell? Yeah, I...
2: Which is why I think that it's...
0: This episode works really well in tandem with Doomed. Where they're both apocalypses that take place in the middle of the season. And in this one, it's so overwrought. But in Doomed, they're like, again? Mm. And they're just like not taking it seriously at all. Mm -hmm. And it's done for pure comedy. But I think that one is a better episode. Giles and Willow doing a binding spell and... the. Giles not having contacts, I can understand. Giles not having books, I don't understand.
1: Yeah, no, that makes no sense.
0: Like, I mean, is it because they were all burnt in gingerbread? Let's go with that.
1: Ooh, maybe. Yeah. Of course, this is this is the point in my uh, my notes where I have bored now as my note. Ooh. My
0: notes get a, <laughs> my notes get a little bit thin as we're going on. I do like Xander threatening the zombie. I think this is like, okay, Xander mm-hmm. is actually being kind of...
1: That's actually a good scene. Yeah. That is right. actually a good scene. I will give them that.
0: Like, Which one? Uh, the scene where Xander grabs the zombie and is pulling like, him okay. yeah. uh, Is pulling great, him but... along. And one thing I have to say is, for, while the writing doesn't impress me, Nikki's acting actually really does impress me, especially from this point on. I think he does a good job of balancing like comedy with pathos mm-hmm. and... It's it's he he. Well, everybody else is completely one dimensional. Xander is actually multifaceted in this, and I think mm-hmm. Nikki shows more than we've really seen of him before.
1: Be Cry mm-hmm.
0: when he saw the script for this episode. Yes, Nikki <laughs> cried when he saw the the script for this episode. He was so delighted with it and the meaning for his character.
1: Nikki needs a hobby. This, but no, but I. He's got,
0: got
2: one, David. Say. Um, yo,
1: don't remind me okay <laughs> yes he's i think he's yeah i think he's got a bowling thing set coming up no I, I i have to agree like nikki i i can't i i can't fault nikki for how bad this episode is because he does a great job with what he is given mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean i like i mean like what he's given it's like i'm reminded of you know peter capaldi's first season on doctor who yeah which i I will go on about it, length, if if allowed to. But, like, the writing okay. on that season, some of the worst writing, that worst season of Doctor Who for writing ever. But he, he is, is wonderful. And he's good. He yeah, is great. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> but but <laughs> the scripts on. are just crap. Yeah, and this terrible. script is just, it's not a good script. Mm-hmm. It, it has a good idea at its core somewhere, but the execution is just not yeah. good. It's actively bad, but it's actively not good.
0: Yeah. So we get into the fight slash chase around the school. Uh, One thing I do want to know is, okay, let's think about these zombies who I know don't have a lot of motivation or characterization outside of they are a gang of zombies.
1: What do you mean? They want to drink beer and bake cakes.
0: (laughs) And this is going to sound rather controversial Uh But not brave. (laughs) Uh, I don't understand blowing up a school in the middle of the night. I would think that these guys, and like this is also very hard for me to say, considering this episode was like a minute before Combine. I would actually think that these guys would want to set a
2: bomb at the school that would go off during the day. Oh, you think malcontented white boys would want to kill a bunch of people? Huh. (laughs) That's that's something i've never considered before mc yeah it's a, it's a very good point and it but
1: but yeah. I, I, I mean leaving aside your your general point which i take and agree with but in this particular case what what would be their motivation
0: but here's the question what's their motivation for, for putting the bomb into the school in the first place they have they've expressed no actual problems with the school up to this point uh they they talk about making they talked about kicking the Armenian uh, shop owner's ass, yeah, because yeah. he killed that one guy. And apparently, Sunnydale has gang multiple gangs, mm-hmm. and they enough that they've wiped one of them out. But they've decided to put this bomb into the school for no reason other than we need to have Xander at the school so that the hellmouth stuff mm-hmm. can go on in the background. Right. I, I, I guess
1: my reading is that they're just. Very anti-authoritarian. The school is just an authoritarian symbol. Then
2: why does Jack keep going back?
1: Oh, because he wants to menace his people. (laughs) He could do that from outside. But I
2: think it's another sign of... It's a handy
1: place to menace people.
0: (laughs) But it's another sign of this episode having little thought put into it in regards to the motivations of anybody.
1: Yes. For me, this is less than some of the other stuff. But yes, you're right. It's not good. It's not right. well done. Yeah. It's not thought out.
0: Yeah, but Xander runs around and he drops soda machines on the
1: zombies. and mm-hmm.
2: It's got a great line that I think he should take on his own advice. The note to self, talk less.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Andy's not here, so I should point out, we have a shirt for sale <laughs> <laughs> that says, shut up, Xander.
2: <laughs> Available on Public and Redbubble.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, if we're not going to break into random... Yeah, hello, Fresh is a blah 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 for <laughs> a podcast. We might as well
0: <laughs> yeah. try to sell our own stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's running around in the hallways, and the z- zombies are randomly taken out until we get down to Nikki or not Nikki, but Xander and Jack in the boiler room. The whole thing takes a lot longer than 49 seconds.
1: Oh God, yes, it really oh, does. But- I will say before the boiler room, there is the the one part of this episode where they actually like woke up and said, oh, we're writers. We should know something about story structure. The part where the uh, uh, Hellmouth Beast kills one of the zombies <laughs> bringing the two stories together right Yes, it's like hey good piece of story structure
0: i almost felt like that scene when they were running through the hallways it's it turned into a scooby-doo episode absolutely yeah, yes. what, uh, what i was
1: thinking <laughs> yeah I, I i was thinking actually the other day before i watched this even so it's like it's such a shame that buffy never did a scooby-doo like an actual scooby-doo episode like supernatural did <laughs>
2: Oz drives a van. I guess
1: that's uh, yeah, exactly. But yes, then we have now we have the the scene in the in the boiler room. The Scene and... in the boiler
0: room that takes much longer than forty nine seconds. Right. But I am going to let it go because mm-hmm. this when I'm saying that Nikki acts very well in this episode. This scene is him just acting the fuck out of things. Yeah. Yep. It's... This
1: this scene is the point of this episode. It is. Like, I'm, this is the only worthwhile part of this episode. I'm
0: pretty sure they wrote this first and then wrote everything else around mm-hmm. it.
1: I mean, Nikki's, Nikki's delivery and the line, actually, when he goes, I like the quiet. Uh, that is just, that is a fantastic moment. And yeah. it really is just, like, it almost makes this episode worth watching.
0: Of course, Almost. he's full of Almost. shit, because when has Xander
1: ever oh. been quiet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although it does come up again in, the, like, the the, the like the last scene. He says something about, I like the quiet life or something.
2: Yeah. Me, the quiet life, yeah. I think this sets the tone for however minimal it may be. Well, you know, honestly, <laughs> we'll have to get to it when we get to it. But as far as, like, Xander's character development is concerned, his willingness to die... Mm-hmm. Is which is sounds shitty, but it's it's one of his better qualities because. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here you see when
1: push he's comes suicidal. To shit. That's good.
2: <laughs> his no, it's gone. I I, I lost it with a suicidal bit. Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's the way he is willing to sacrifice himself is one of his best qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why he was. He's the heart. When it comes to when they take out Adam, it's why he was so effective in dealing with evil Willow. It's, it's one of his better qualities. And it's nice that we get to see Nikki given these opportunities to be something other than Xander.
0: This is also, I think, one of the first times we see Xander making one of his big speeches. Uh-huh. Where it's like we... One thing that I will mm-hmm. always give to Xander, like even though I have so many problems with him, he's always really good at rallying at you know the at crunch time where he will come out with these big speeches. He does it in the freshman. He does it in Grave, he does it in Potential, where he will sum everything up in this Xander way, and he's really good at doing it. Like, they make fun of Buffy for making speeches, and I think that's because Xander's the one who should actually be making the
1: speeches. (laughs) It is his greatest strength. I, I, I have to say, though, you know, you talk about his sacrifice here. I'm torn on what's actually going on here, because... The way I've always kind of seen it, and the way we're clearly supposed to see it, is Xander as it's a noble sacrifice. This time through, because I'm paying more attention, maybe, it occurred to me maybe this isn't as, quote unquote, "noble as we think it is, because basically everyone's been treating Xander like shit and like he doesn't matter throughout this entire episode. And maybe he's just like, "You know what? I my life isn't worth continuing. And if I can use it, if I can use my death to to do something about this, why not?
0: I have a third perspective on this. And that I think that is Yay. that Xander is playing chicken
1: with... Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He's Jack. bluffing.
0: Yeah, sure. Because the whole thing is Xander knows he can't get out of there in time. He can't mm-hmm. disarm the bomb. That Jack is the only person that does a, can do it. So he's basically just... The only thing he can do at the moment is use his words, which we know Xander is really good at doing. And so basically he's just trying to scare Jack into saying,
2: it's like, I'm not afraid to die. Are you? He dirty harries him into to fucking disarming that bomb. He does. So. Yeah. <laughs> I expected him to fully do that Do you feel lucky?
0: That's basically <laughs> well, what he does. Yeah.
1: And Jack, Jack is totally a punk. Yeah. yeah.
0: Jack disarms the bomb and...
2: Okay, Ozex Machina is hilarious. <laughs> I have a question: Does this technically make Oz a murderer? Yes. No.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait.
2: Okay. All right.
1: <laughs> uh. Well. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that hinges on the question of how alive we consider Jack. Yeah. He's uh. A gorgeous... But but I mean, again, we we yeah. come back to the thing we keep coming back to, which is: Is it okay to kill? A human, depending on what that means.
0: My question was, is it
2: cannibalism?
1: I think that would be, yes.
2: Well, he's a different species. He's a lycanthrope.
1: I don't... Ah, That's a good question. I'm not (laughs) sure if that makes him a different species per se, because, I mean, he does have human form. He just is able to transfer into a different (sighs) form. This is... Yeah, we're now running into... We need more information yeah. to, to, to to actually confirm that question.
0: Yeah, like, are werewolves actually a different species, or are they just humans with, like, a
2: chronic disease?
1: hmm Yeah, exactly.
2: Fair enough. He did eat a whole human being, dead or not.
1: Let's just... Yes. Well, we don't know if he ate all of it. Enough to
2: make him full. Enough to make him day. full
0: into the next day, and enough that yeah. nobody ever wonders, hey, why is there, like, a half-eaten dead body in the
1: basement? Yeah, and also, Listen, by the way, given that scene with with Oz, there, it's like those tranks are really not very effective. No, <laughs> they need better tranquilizer darts.
2: <laughs> they work fast, but they don't last long. No, yeah. listeners, uh, respond. Um, is it cannibalism? Is Oz a yeah. murderer?
1: Yeah, Any I questions? mean, if you have opinions on this, I I would really be interested to see to hear what people think because. Mm-hmm. This is a damn good question. We
0: were talking about also Slayer metabolism before, and werewolf metabolism must be amazing, because, I mean, Seth Green is absolutely tiny, and yeah. Shannon Rowe is is fairly big. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that he doesn't look like a snake that is just devoured <laughs> like a house
2: cat. <laughs> oh, God, the image. Oh, mm. just, just Oz's little pot belly in Jack's face i'm flashing back to anaconda y'all give me a break
1: oh i thought you're flashing back to love and monsters but <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah.
0: anyway so we get to the last scene and the gang are being again so overblown with talk about oh, the hell now. yeah
1: and- my note is like this post-apocalypse deconstruction scene would have worked so well in any other episode and here it's just Oh, God, this is such useless crap.
0: Yeah. And, but, I mean, we've talked earlier about how the, this episode doesn't make any sense because they're trying to put Xander in this role that he's never been in before. And it especially doesn't make sense here. But the the fact that they are discussing this Hellmouth thing with Oz right there, who has not been a part of this story because he's been a werewolf the entire time. So mm-hmm. why is Oz brought into this when Xander isn't because to Oz To say he's full. <clears throat> yeah. Oz doesn't have any powers except for, you know, you know, his sense of smell. Little penis. I Yeah. The, the lycanthropy, if anything, is more a detriment than it is a benefit until later mm-hmm. on in the comics when he can actually control it.
2: Because at this point he's just a mindless creature when he's transformed. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a really interesting thing. He is the only member of the Scooby gang who is legitimately part of Xander's story more than he is part of the Apocalypse story in this episode.
0: Cordelia? But, I mean, it depends on where you think of Cordelia as part of the Scooby gang.
1: Cordelia is mainly there to torture Xander. I yeah. mean, okay, yeah, you're right. So maybe Cordelia, but, but as, as an active participant... in in Scooby activities.
0: If you were going to do a Lowered X episode, having an episode about Oz and Cordelia would have made a lot more sense than Xander.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So then we get to the last scene of Cordelia trying to torture Xander, and instead he's just going to power walk away from her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was kind of almost looking forward to that, and then I watched it, and I'm like, this scene does its job, just. It's not actually particularly good. Or satisfying.
2: No, it reminds me of um, when Cordelia essentially does the same thing, walking away from what do they call them, the Cordeliettes? or whatever. Cordettes. Cordettes. Cordettes, That's right. Yeah. When she's like, "Fuck it, I'm I'm dating this loser," and like middle fingers out of there, Um, but in a poorly done way.
1: (laughs) So yeah, this this just it's there because it has to be there to wrap up the annoyingly insistent thing of Cordy continually ripping Xander a new one throughout the episode at random points.
2: <laughs> like you're meant to be on Xander's side. You're meant to be like, yeah, Xander, tell her, but I'm not. I'm on Cordelia's side. He cheated on her. Yeah. And then she got rebarred. I'm on Cordelia's side.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's the thing. It's it, I mean, a lot of this all depends on how you feel about the, whether you think that Xander keeping all of what happened to him during this night to himself a good thing or not? And there are certainly, I mean, I can think of at least one practical reason that it's not a good
0: thing. Is it because he doesn't know that Jack is dead?
1: That's part of it. Also, uh, as far as we know, there is still some guy wandering around who can raise the dead.
2: Very good point. Mm -hmm. Without having to make any sort of bargains with Osiris, he can just
1: do it. Yeah,
2: That's a really good point. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But that's just a continuation of Xander never telling anyone anything about what's going on with him during the episode. It's just, ah.
2: I have a hard time believing that Xander wouldn't immediately be like, hey, y'all, while you were doing the apocalypse thing, I stopped somebody from blowing up the school. How great am I? (laughs) I didn't stop somebody. I
0: stopped a bunch of zombies. Mm -hmm. Zombies. Some bodies. Yeah. But I think we've reached our final thoughts on this episode.
2: And I think we've (laughs) already gotten into it a lot. But can I... Uh, say that, yeah, Nikki was a great actor. Do you know who my MVP for this episode is? Christoph Beck. (laughs) I think when given the chance, especially when it comes to humor, as far as his composition is concerned, he does such an excellent job. We see it in Hush. And I think giving him free reign the way I guess he did to as a a composer tell a story through music Mm -hmm. the way he got to in this episode is so great. I really, really enjoyed just listening to the score because it made it a better episode than it deserved to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Else loses. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think David's trying to put his thoughts together, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. I think, honestly, my final thoughts are the same thoughts I've had from the beginning. So my initial thoughts and my final thoughts are not terribly different. <laughs>
0: I I feel really weird about this episode because the, I remember the first time I saw it, I really did not care for it. It's like huh. I did not understand why this big apocalypse was going on and we were instead focusing on Xander. And then later on, it's like, oh, well, I guess I missed the point of this episode and I ended up enjoying it a lot more. But looking back on it now, it's like, no, I still... It, it's not even that they didn't focus on the apocalypse. It's just that everything was... Kind of poorly done, and like I said, I am a fan of lower deck stories. I love Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and I dad. but yeah. that's not what this is. This is what that this wants to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and also people don't understand or appreciate marks
1: <laughs> Well, that too. But, yeah, but I—I I mean, my biggest problem is it's just—it's just poorly done. Yeah, it, it's just like—I mean, I—I I see what they were trying for and it's not a bad idea but they 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 botched it so badly that i'm just like n- n- no 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 go <laughs> go back and and redo this or not do this this is this is the worst of all possible worlds
0: <laughs> so in terms of music for this episode we got quite a few uh, when xander's driving around in his uncle's car we have Dodgems by soundstage limited When Xander and Lizette are at the Bronze, we've got G-Song by Supergrass. When Xander's driving the zombies around town, we have "Easy" by Tricky Woo. And at the end of the episode, Xander power-walks away from Cordelia to For the Glory by Extreme Music. And so I think that's it for the Zeppo. I think that wraps things up. So next time, we'll be reviewing Bad Girls. So until then, (laughs) Uh grrr, arg. Ger Arg. Grr, arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube, Tumblr, and Facebook at returntothehellmouth, on Twitter at hellmouthreturn, or on email at returntothehellmouth@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday.